And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the Trackstar Sports MMA main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. It's no secret that Joe Rogan and Jimmy Smith have uh, some bromance going on. Joe Rogan has been stumping for years to get Jimmy Smith in the UFC as a commentator because he just feels so highly about, and no pun intended, especially with Joe Rogan. He he has very high regard, I should say, for Jimmy Smith's commentary abilities, as do most hardcore MMA fans. Sure enough, Bellator let him go, and the UFC swooped him up. And now the bromance will consummate on TV during the UFC 223 announcing. Yeah, they're going to be announcing together for the first time. They're going to get together and John Anik will have to be the uh, referee between the two and try to get in some play by play whenever he can. But look forward to yet another first and another exciting turn of events for UFC 223. If you have not seen the commercials that they've been putting out, you need to go and look at them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they are absolutely phenomenal. I'll do my best to grab some and put them on the Trackstar Sports Twitter account so that you can find them a little easier. You're welcome. Misha Tate is well into her final trimester and getting ready to give birth to a wonderful, wonderful baby. But fighting, yeah, it's in her DNA. And when a dog recently was attacking her small dog as she was walking it she swooped up hers and fought off the other dog to save her dog you talk about fighting spirit and just that motherly instinct you know she's carrying her child currently but she has to take care of her fur baby and wound up scraping up her knee pretty badly in the process Moving on to a bit of Bellator news. Surprise, surprise. Brent Premise is hurt and cannot defend his title. This man fights on average once a year. And here it is. He, this was his first fight scheduled for the year 2018. Only fought once, which was in June of 2017. And he can't fight. Now, does that have to do anything with the fact that he really didn't win the first fight? It was more so the Chandler got hurt and couldn't continue fighting. And he will be fighting in the champ's hometown region that all of a sudden now he can't fight. Hmm. I don't know. A bit too many coincidences for me. But never fear. 
Iron Mike Chandler is still going to fight on the card. So Bellator 197 will now be headlined by Chandler and Brandon Gertz. In other Bellator news, the blue chip wrestling prospect that Bellator has brought on, one of the many that they've brought on in recent years, Ed Ruth, who has been fighting at 185 pounds, is undefeated in his MMA campaign, is dropping down to welterweight, and he'll be fighting on the Budapest card on April 6th. So yet another reason to tune into that fight card, which, as I stated last week, got a major boost with Ben Henderson taking on Roger Huerta in the main event. Now, someone who does not have a fight schedule right now is Floyd Mayweather. Though he did get his MMA license this week. Something else that he has in common with that is the Diaz brothers have boxing licenses. None of them have fights lined up, though, nor are any of them in training. Now, the Diaz brothers for boxing and not Floyd for MMA, though Floyd did say that he's going to start training soon, which is the same thing he said last week. And uh, we'll see how many more weeks he says that the training will start soon. Another money team fighter, Javante Davis. Yeah, Tank, he keeps talking about wanting to fight in the UFC. Although this week on TMZ, he said he plans to do it after cleaning up things in boxing. So we'll see how much he really wants to do things once he's done with boxing. I'm sure there's many, many fights that he's got left many contenders, many challenges in the squared circle before he were to look to step into the octagon. And if he's serious about this, then he needs to be training wrestling and different things for MMA now before he even looks to sign a contract. That will be the wise thing to do. All right, rounding out a bit of the headlines and hot takes Marion Renault recently said that she wants Ketlin Vieira at UFC 224 in Rio de Janeiro. And that has all the makings of the Voices Marquee matchup if that were to take place. Another fight that recently got made, or I should say, yeah, this is another fight that recently got made, not for this card, but for the Atlantic City card that'll be taking place a little later on in April. I'm going to play some information for you about, which is a fight between Frankie the Answer Edgar and Cub Swanson. Take a listen, and then I'll come back with some commentary. 
goodness. Um, Brian Ortega did what half a dozen uh, Hall of Famers could not do. He stopped Frankie Edgar. Unbelievable. The elbow. I love the composure because this fight was not going Ortega's way in the beginning. Eating some good right hands. Frankie Edgar looked sharp. He looked fast. It, but it was the composure. It was the confidence that I'm going to land that elbow. Look at that shot over the top. Bang. Right to the temple and finish it up in a cold-blooded, mature, professional manner. That's great for a young fighter and really the most marquee name of his fight career. It was made official earlier this week. Cub Swanson and Frankie Edgar are going to fight again. Cub Swanson has a new contract. Good for him. Frankie Edgar just got knocked out on March third it's the first time in his career that he has been knocked out and he's fighting again on april 21st i'm sorry that just does not seem like enough time before you're getting in there and fighting again much less the fight being made you've got training so you're telling me you've healed enough to be taking more blows to the head in training for this fight against a killer like Cub Swanson? I mean, I know he's fought him before. And Frankie Edgar's longtime coach has said that Frankie was very clear after the fight. It didn't seem as if he was hurt and he was like right after but come on as I stated when it happened Frankie Edgar got caught with a Michael Jackson the way you make me feel uppercut he got knocked off of his feet literally I mean Ortega caught him with it boop up in the air down on the ground and then a couple hammer fists for good measure I'm sorry this seems way, way too soon for my liking. It reminds me of when, or I should say my initial thought was when Chad Mendez came back after getting knocked out by Conor McGregor to fight Frankie Edgar. And what happened to him? He got knocked out. Short little left hook, bam, did the deal, signed off on the check and rolled off into the sunset did Frankie Edgar I'm wondering if Frankie is now making the same mistake that Chad Mendez made just earlier today I heard some of the other pundits speaking and they brought up another incident like this that had slipped my mind and it's actually more in line with the way that this is going down. They talked about Michael Bisping coming back three weeks after getting knocked out cold by George St. Pierre. He got knocked out and choked out, and then he comes back three weeks later and gets knocked out again in Shanghai, China by <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum. It's just too soon, man. I mean, I understand. And maybe, you know, the uneducated fight fan is not aware. This fight is going to take place in Atlantic City. 
Frankie Edgar is a Times River, New Jersey native. This will be like the closest he gets to fighting at home ever. And he asked to be put on this card. So it's not a situation where the UFC was trying to get him uh, to fight. No, he asked for it. Again, his camp feels like he's ready for it. But as a true fight fan and someone who's concerned about the well-being of the fighters, especially being in advanced age, well, not advanced age, but advanced age for a fighter, uh, as Frankie Edgar is, it's just way too soon, man, way too soon. And I'm hoping that this doesn't come back to bite him. All right, last thing before moving on into some boxing news. Dana White told the LA Times that the super fight that has been rumored for nine months now between DJ Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw is not going to happen. Said it's not going to happen. Told the LA Times that uh, this week. Said the DJ is going to be out for a while with his recovery. Now, if that is the case, then yeah, it's time to move on. Uh, let TJ fight. There are so many killers and contenders at Bantamweight. He could do the Cruz fight again. He can do the Cody Garbrandt fight again. <sighs> He could fight Jimmy Rivera, although I think Rivera just signed on to fight someone not too long ago. So that fight may or may not happen. But there are just so many. You got Marlon Marais. Um, I mean, just so many people at 135 to fight. If DJ is going to be out for an extended period of time, then that's fine. Go ahead and do your thing at 135, TJ, and let the flyweight division start to really flush out another contender because right now there really aren't any contenders there so it makes sense for DJ to fight TJ currently but for TJ with all the people that I just talked about that are in line to fight he's got plenty plenty of contenders and plenty of work to do within that division to me, sounds like a negotiation tactic by Dana, trying to get someone to come down off their asking price. And I'm really interested in hearing what DJ's response is going to be, because that's going to be the truth. Well, the truth always lies in between both stories, but I believe DJ any day over Dana. Moving on to some boxing news. Per Dan Raphael of ESPN, Dana White is looking to sign Anthony Joshua to a multi-fight deal worth upwards of $500 million. This was also spoken about by the Telegraph in the UK, and I believe they're the ones that actually broke the story. Man. Now, Anthony Joshua has said he wants to make a splash in the U.S. 
And he said he's 100% interested in fielding the Zufa boxing offer, if it makes sense. Now, Dana has the connections to help him stateside. And if Dana were to get him, that'd be a major, major feather in his cap entering into the boxing game. Joshua fights next against Joseph Parker on the 31st of March. And Parker underwent surgery on both, not one, but both of his elbows just in November. But he said, oh, I'm fine. I've never felt better. His trainers said, oh, yeah, his, his jabs are, are crisp, you know, like they were before. But come on, man. He just had surgery on both of his elbows. Now, granted, that was back in November. It's been now about four months. Could you have a full recovery and be ready to fight? It's possible, but the probability is low. Now, for Parker, I get it. You're getting ready to go into the biggest fight of your life. You want to make sure that you have all the tools possible at your disposal. So sharpening up things and getting his elbows cleared out, that makes sense. Just seems a little too close to fight time to have surgery, especially on both arms. And this information just came out this week and the fight is about a week away. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, Dan Raphael also broke some other news. Uh, This one a little closer to home. Jorge Linares and Vasily Lomachenko are going to fight one another. That fight's going to take place on ESPN May 12th and will headline a card that's going to be fought at Madison Square Garden, the mecca of it all, especially when it comes to combat sports. Lomachenko, he can make history as he moves up looking for his third title in three different weight classes with the fewest number of pro fights. Lenares, on the other hand, is looking to win his 14th consecutive bout, dating back nearly five and a half years. Now, in other ESPN fight news, there was a fight on Thursday night. Golden Boy had a card showcasing a rising star in 19-year-old and ESPN prospect of 2017, Ryan Garcia, who, by the way, nickname is the Golden Boy in Spanish. And he signed the Golden Boy? Hmm. Coincidence? I think not. But he's got skills and De La Hoya said, hey, he reminds me of him, who's also the golden boy. Go figure. Either way it goes, kid looks good. So let's listen to a bit of the highlights from that card. And I'll give some commentary on the other end. It was a great night of boxing here at the Fantasy Springs Resort and Casino as Golden Boy Boxing on ESPN saw Ryan Garcia improve to 14-0 with 13 knockouts. He did it against season veteran Fernando Vargas. About two and a half minutes in, he sides him up with a right hand, then he drops it. And- 
the hammer with the left hook. And it was an early night for Ryan Garcia, who heard his first-round knockout of his young career. This is a 19-year-old doing this to a 53-fight veteran. No doubt that the flash, King Ryan Garcia, is one to be reckoned with. And Oscar De La Hoya goes into the ring, gives his protege a big hug. Yes, he sees himself in him and also dollar signs. All right, quick editorial. I had the wrong nickname for Ryan Garcia. His nickname is Kingry or The Flash. Uh, the Spanish version, or I should say, um, the person who uses the Golden Boy in Spanish is Jorge Linares, who I was speaking about before fighting Vasily Lomachenko. So, quick editorial. I believe that Linares also fights for Golden Boy promotion, so just have my fighters and nicknames mixed up. Forgive me. But Ryan Garcia, man. Yeah, he looks really, really good. If you haven't seen the fight uh, and you have ESPN, I would suggest downloading the ESPN app. You can see all of the fights there. You can also see Bellator in Spanish uh, on the ESPN app too because they're the ones that carry the Spanish broadcast. But man, you should go back and watch. It was just that round. And my goodness, did he put it on Vargas. Caught him with a nice one-two. Wop, wop. Hurt him a bit. Came back. Hit him again with that left hand and one of the things that I've learned watching fights over the years and specifically listening to Let's Get It On by Big John McCartney or I should say McCarthy when he had that podcast going is the way a fighter falls has a lot to do with whether or not the ref is going to call the fight if they have a complete loss of like their body where they're falling and they can't stop themselves from falling like falling in a heap which is what Vargas did Vargas was standing up and then all of a sudden he's doing a back bend and, and falling down like in a heap when your body disconnects like that you need to stop the fight you know, if they get hit and they just kind of, you know, fall down forward or able to brace themselves, you can tell that, yes, it did hurt, but they've got enough of their faculties about them to be able to, you know, kind of keep themselves up and do things. When they fall in those unnatural fashions and you all, if you've watched fights, you've seen people fall in all kinds of crazy fashions. That's a total disconnect. And that's when the judge or I should say the referee knows they need to get in there and save that fighter from themselves and that's just what happened with Vargas on this fight again it was a beautiful KO beautiful performance by uh, the rising Ryan Garcia and if you've got ESPN I would definitely suggest going to the app checking out the fight again ended in the first round so not very long. Last bit of news 
related to boxing and MMA a bit. Anna Hulatin fought not too long ago against Heather Hardy in MMA. Anna Hulatin is a champion in boxing. And recently she decided that she's fought her last fight and she's not going to compete in boxing or MMA anymore in a post on Instagram she said that it was time for her to move on in her life it's time for her to move into the next phase of life and leave fighting behind now she was supposed to box against Heather Hardy uh, even though her last fight was in MMA against Heather Hardy they were going to do it again do it in boxing but she's decided it's time to move on. So she thanked Lou DeBella for all of his help in promoting. She thanked her manager and promoter. She thanked Scott Coker for giving her a chance in Bellator. But she's moving on. So with that, Anna, I salute you and wish you the best in this next stage of your life. My, oh my, how things have changed in just a little bit of time in the welterweight division. It all started off with Kamaru Usman. That's right, the Nigerian nightmare, Niger stand-up. He and his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, took to Twitter to stir the pot and see if they could gold someone into fighting Usman because he's had an issue he said he's a problem, and he's definitely had a problem finding someone who was ranked anywhere near him to fight him. Well, they went out and they took on, or I should say mentioned, three names specifically. They mentioned Till and Ponzinibbio, and that those are the two that Usman said, look, I fight either Till or Ponzinibbio next unless the UFC can't find a way to make those fights happen uh, because they just don't want any part of him. Ali also put out some information about Masvidal, which that kind of backfired. Anyway, before that even jumped off, Till and Usman, oh my goodness, they had a Twitter beef and a Twitter war of epic proportions. Usman was like, you're scared. You know, you're a punk. You won't fight me. And Tiller's like, you know what? You are a monster. You are a beast. You are a wrestling phenom. You are a tough nut to crack. But I'm not afraid to fight you. I'll fight anybody. I'm a fighter. Till was saying, the biggest difference between you and me is that I admit you're a tough fight. And you're a difficult matchup. The difference is you think that you're on this whole different level than I am. And if we ever got in the cage and the pin dropped to make that cage do a lot, you overlooking me is going to be the end of you. So like I said, they were going back and forth on Twitter, talking back and forth about fights. And as I stated before, Ali Abdelaziz 
also put out that Masvidal uh, hit ducked and that Masvidal got papers and turned down the fight. Well, Masvidal's manager is a coward. Masvidal got in. It's like, look, dude, I'm from the 305. I got a name fighting in the backyards, you know, the backyard brawling scene, you know, with Kimbo and other people, Dada 5000, whatever. I've been fighting forever. I'm not afraid to fight anybody. What are you talking about? I never got the contract. Abe came out and said, look, we were never presented the fight. Ali is a very colorful person and a person of questionable morals. So I would go with Abe and the street fighter over Ali's statements. Just me. I mean, this guy... Um, he's been linked to he's been linked to a lot of things let's just leave it there been linked to a lot of things and a lot of military operations covert uh, undercover stuff for different countries just yeah Ali is a very very colorful person and I believe Abe over Ali that's not all that's happened though so all of that went out. All of that took place. And I'm jumping ahead a bit, but in, at UFC Fight Night 127, Leon Edwards, after winning his fight, called out Till because Till was just named the headliner for a fight in Liverpool, which is Till's home city. So it was like, look, our records are about the same. I'll fight you, which, hey, no problem. Shoot your shot. It was a good call out. It made sense from the schedule perspective. I just got done fighting. This fight will be in a couple months. I've got enough time to train. I'm from the UK. I won't have any visa issues when it comes to fighting. You know, let, let's get it done. However, as I stated, so many things happen with the welterweight division and so many things will happen with fights i find out just before i start recording that the one person the one person in the welterweight division who it was stated definitively by their camp would not fight till is rumored to be fighting till in liverpool and that's wonder boy that's right, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. If he and Till fight, man, that's going to be a phenomenal fight. Both of them are high-level strikers, and it would be, yeah, striking on display. If they're able to get that done, you want to be in front of your TV when that fight takes place. Something else that just broke within the past 24 hours regarding a rumored fight is RDA in talks to fight Kobe Covington on the Rio card there in Brazil, UFC 224, which takes place in May. That's huge, huge. And if you don't know anything about Kobe Covington, he has made it his 
business to pretty much put down everyone and everything that's not him. <laughs> I mean, he finds some very creative ways to do it. But Brazil specifically, I mean, he has called the Brazilians all kinds of terrible names. Pick fights with Brazilian uh, heavyweight Fabricio Verdun. And the last time he was in Brazil, he had to literally run out of the arena back to the dressing rooms because they were throwing all kinds of bottles and cups and things at him as he was walking back after the fight. So if these two were to fight on this card, that would be major. Here's yet another wrinkle, though. Not only are they scheduled to, are they in talks to fight, not scheduled, but in talks to fight, but they're in talks to fight for interim title. This was broken by BJPen.com. Do I think it should be for interim title? No. I understand it. I get it, though, because it brings a lot more to the table when it comes to this pay-per-view. And honestly, it needs something. I watched, or I should say I listened to the press conference for this fight recently. And yeah, I, I, I just have to be honest. I fell asleep. I was listening to them fight and, or listening to them talk. And maybe it was because there was a lot of translation that took place. Because it did happen there in Brazil. Uh, there was only one English speaker that was on the panel. Everyone else uh, spoke Portuguese. But man, that thing put me to sleep. I mean, I was tired. Just got done working. But yeah, it put me to sleep. I, <laughs> I thought I was listening to it. And I woke up and it had gone to some other YouTube clip uh, playing so yeah I mean it put me totally under so if they got Kobe Covington and RDA on this card for interim title oh man it will raise the profile for this card tremendously again do I think it should be for interim title no Tyron has fought many many times he won the belt and then defended it like three times within a year I think he fought on average like every two months so even though he's been out since uh, around August or so of last year he's earned the right to fight and defend his belt shouldn't be an interim belt especially watching some of the champ camp stuff and seeing that he was coming um, he was coming back ahead of schedule that his rehab was uh, going very, very well. Yeah, I, I don't see why this has to be for a belt. The fight being on the card alone is great. Now, some of the other pundits made some really good arguments for it being for a belt. One, Amanda Nunez and uh, Raquel Pennington have had to pull out due to illness and or injury recently so having another title card on this pay-per-view in 
Brazil, which will probably be the only pay-per-view there in Brazil this year, helps to solidify things if that fight were to fall out. And again, the press conference put me to sleep. RDA and Covington talking is not going to put anyone to sleep. So if they get to make this happen, or I should say if they're able to pull it off and make this fight happen, yeah. Yeah, it has all the makings for the Voices Marquee matchup if it were to happen. UFC Fight Night 127 was a card that a lot of people were sleeping on. And generally what happens on those sleeper cards is that people rise to the occasion and alert everyone to their place in the UFC. And boy, oh, did that happen. In the main event, former champion Fabricio Verdun took on former training partner and also former champion, not in the UFC, but in M1 and in Bellator, Alexander Drago Volkov. And that fight was really, really, really good. Verdun came in with his wild stuff. He he tried his uh, Travis Brown jump flying sidekick a couple times and uh, missed. And Volkov, you know, was like, yeah, no, you didn't get me. But then wound up getting taken down. It was a real good back and forth fight when it was on the ground. It was in Verdun's world. That's where he wanted it. And he was getting the better of things. When it was on the feet, Volkov was tuning him up, uh, bust his eye. His one eye, he had him cut both above and below the eye. So he was doing this thing on the feet. Boy, I tell you, Fabricio Verdun has some very, very high-level jujitsu. And some very unique ways of getting a takedown. I remember at one point, I, I feel like they called it uh, Rocking the Dragon. or I don't know what the, what they called it. But Verdun kind of dove at Volkov's leg and swung around on the back of it. It's like, what are you doing? Then all of a sudden, he had him down on the ground and had his... Uh, had him in a back mount position and was fishing for a rear naked choke. Volkov was able to fight hands and pulled everything out. Was able to get out of that round successfully. And yeah, Verdun, it was obviously wanted it on the ground. It seemed like anytime anything happened, Verdun would fall on the ground hoping that Volkov would chase when that became a steal. Man, Volkov was like, nope, get up. I'm not going down there. And he just kept trying to get it to the ground because, again, that's where he felt like he had the advantage. And definitely he did. But, ooh, man. Volkov was tuning him up on the feet again. And he decided to follow him down in the fourth round. But it was all she wrote when he did. Because this time, Verdun went down due to a strike. And he was hurt. And then he came over the top, caught him clean, 
and disconnected him from reality. Night, night, lights out, fights over Alexander Volkov by KO in the fourth round. And he got a performance of the night bonus for that. The fight of the night, however, went to the rematch between Jan Blachowicz and Obad Jimmy, the poster boy, Manawa. That's right. Nigel just stand up, but Manawa had to sit down because this time the fight did not go his way. The first time they fought, they fought in Poland. Manawa got a unanimous decision. This time the fight was in UK, in the UK, I should say, in Manawa's city, and he's the one that the decision went against. It was a close fight, or I should say it was a very nicely contested fight. It was clear that Manawa was trying to knock Blahovich out. And he kept waiting in, waiting in, trying to land uh, a big shot. But as he kept coming in, he was getting lit up with jabs. And when they put out the punch stats, oh, man, it was like two to one for Blahovich. Uh, not only thrown, but landed. And it was just clear that Blahovich is the one who should have won the fight. As he did, 29-28 on two cards and 30-27 on the third. Tom, the fire kid, Duke and Wah, got the unanimous decision over Terion Ware. And the, his scorecards were the same as the ones for Blahovic. 29-28 on two and 30-27 and on the third card. For Ware, this is his third fight in the UFC. And all three have come at a loss for him by decision. Unless they need someone to fill in for a pinch for a bantamweight fight, I really don't see him fighting in the UFC again. At least not without stepping out and sharpening his skills on the regional level. Now, I could be wrong, and many pundits believe that his solid showings against strong up-and-comers may grant him another fight. But with three losses, uh, yeah, I just don't see it happening. At least not anytime soon. Leon Rocky Edwards versus Peter Svoboda was the curtain jerker and the voices marquee matchup for the main card. This fight went back and forth the whole time and... It really wasn't clear to me who was going to win. Actually, I felt like Svoboda had two rounds to Rocky Edwards one. It could have been, you know, a bit different than that, but Rocky did not leave it to the judges. He almost did, but he was able to pull out the win in the last second of the third round. He was on top of Svoboda. And he was just going at it uh, from back mount, hitting him with hooks and, and shots from above until the ref had to call it. He called it, and the horn went off, but it was too late. Svoboda could not be saved by the bell. It was a done deal. 
another fight that ended in a fashion like that was the fight with Paul Craig Paul the Bear Jew Craig and whoever he was fighting I, I believe his last name was uh, Ankalev some nice fighter out of the former USSR now I talked to my aunt not too long ago just to get the best information on uh, my lineage and my heritage from my grandfather's side didn't I uh, really get to know him much outside of meeting him a couple times as a child I uh, so thought I would speak to uh, one of my aunts who was able to know him a lot better than I was and found out I was not of Scandinavian descent but of English and Scottish descent so my fellow Scott the bear Jew yeah, did his thing and had the most seminal moment on the card this was the last fight of his UFC contract and he was on a two fight losing streak this man pulled out the victory via triangle also at 459 of the third round just like Leon Edwards did but in this case he was losing and losing badly he had lost like all three rounds up to that point heard the clapper threw his leg up was like look i'm going for it i'm going for broke and we'll see what happens not only did he win the fight but he won a performance of the night bonus and got a new ufc contract talk about snatching victory from the jaws of defeat man now the voices marquee matchup for the prelims had Hakeem Dewadu versus Danny the Hatchet Henry. And the Hatchet said, look, I don't get paid by the minute. I don't get paid by the round. But I do get paid twice as much if I win the fight. And that's what he did. Came in, caught Dewadu with something hot. Had him stack it. Put him in a guillotine. Got the tap. 39 seconds into round one. Phenomenal, phenomenal finish for Danny the Hatchet Henry. Both the UFC and Bellator are off this week as well as next week. So, giving you a little AAA MMA to keep your beak wet as far as your fight appetite is concerned. And Saturday, we got a triple header. Starting off in one championship, you got Martin Wynn, who's looking to become the champ, champ, champ. Not just the champ, champ, like Conor McGregor, but the champ, champ, champ of one championship. He already holds the belt in both the lightweight and featherweight divisions, and he's looking to add a third title, this time in the bantamweight division. But he's taking on probably the most formidable 
fighter on the entire roster of one championship in the Bantamweight champion, who is Bibiano Fernandez. Outside of the UFC and Bellator, Fernandez is bar none the best Bantamweight out there. And if he were in the UFC, he may still be the best Bantamweight out there. He trains out of AMC Pancration with uh, Demetrius Johnson. Matt Hume is his coach. And yeah, the dude is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So if you got $10 to spare and you want to take a look at it, one championship will kick things off because it will be taking place in Bangkok, Thailand. And yeah, so that one will take place in the wee hours of the morning stateside, but right in prime time in Bangkok. Also on this card, you have Jiu-Jitsu Ace, Gary Tonin making his MMA debut. So again, you got a couple good fights in there and you never know what you're going to see on cards of this nature. Later on that day, in the afternoon, here stateside, you have Cage Warriors taking place. Not a lot of big names, but the Cage Warriors fights tend to be some nice fights. Again, it's middle of the day, usually around 2 to 4 o'clock Central Time. Uh, the pacing is nice, so you're not watching it all day long. You know, two and a half, three hours, and you're done. After that, which that card does take place on Fight Pass, Fight Pass also has a fight card coming out of Salt Lake City, Utah, Invicta 24. Now, Mizuki NOA is going to be taking on an undefeated Brazilian in the main event. And then you have other standout fighters that are on this card, like Deanna Bennett, Pearl Gonzalez, uh, Melina uh, Dudieva, all of them are competing on this card. So if your streaming game is strong, you can see three fight cards online this Saturday. You can just park in front of your streaming device, whether that be your gaming system connected to your TV, your laptop, your phone, however you get down, fire up the fight pass. You can also pick up 1FC and look at their entire catalog for a month for that $110 and just have yourself a binge-worthy bonanza of black eyes and possible broken bones watching these fights. As has become the custom, we're closing out the MMA main card with blood, sweat, and tears. This is where we look beyond the fighter and into the heart and soul of the athlete. This week, I'm spotlighting Chris Cyborg. Like a rose in concrete, Cyborg has fought hard to overcome financial adversity in her native Brazil and has become arguably 
the greatest fighter in the history of women's MMA. It was rumored that she would fight Amanda Nunez in Brazil on UFC 224. But Cyborg shot that down because she was going to be in Brazil and finishing up a fight of another nature. This fight was a fight that has taken place over the past couple of years. And it was a fight to officially adopt her niece, make her her daughter, and bring her to the U.S. This young lady is Cyborg's brother's child. And unfortunately, she's never known her biological mother. The young lady lives with her grandmother right now, but Cyborg has been the closest thing to a parent in her life. And she hasn't been able to live with her due to the champ being a resident of the United States. Cyborg has a huge heart and she shows it in other ways. To commemorate her victory at UFC 222, Cyborg and her team went down to Skid Row in LA and distributed 222 In-N-Out Burgers. Listen to this clip and I'll give you a little more commentary. I don't make the video for show off, I just want to inspire people doing the same thing. If everybody do a little bit, you're going to make people really happy. You want a burger, my man? outlet so trying to keep things as clean as I can and uh, the man is just real and he is who he is and he said that uh, Cyborg was a maniac and that he wouldn't fight her and he knows how to fight but he knows that she would beat the snot out of him uh, he didn't use those words but uh, you can definitely go check out the clip that's something else I will also try to put out through the Trackstar Sports Twitter page for you to see. Cyborg went on to say that she does this kind of work in San Diego also, that she'll have a team go out and they'll uh, cut the hair of the homeless people and pray for them. 
the champ does a lot. And at the end, she said, hey, next time I go out, let me know and you can come out with me and help out. You see a lot of philanthropy in sports, uh, especially in the major organizations, the NFL players, NBA players, Major League Baseball. But fighters, you don't see a lot of that. And most of the time is because they really don't have a lot. Many of them are fighting just to make ends meet, literally. And to see her giving back and doing something is so inspiring. So very inspiring. Like she said, if we all do a little, we can make a lot of change. Or she said, make a number of people happy. Either way it goes, change comes about from some of the smallest things that are done it's the little things that make the biggest difference in the lives of others to keep up with all things track star sports like the track star sports facebook page join the debate few facebook group where we get it in every day chopping it up about sports as I've stated a number of times on this episode, we have a Twitter account. Follow us. I'll be tweeting out uh, some video and different things that you've heard today. You can get the full clips there as well as we have an Instagram account. New content gets released every single day except for Sunday on anchor.fm and that's another great way to interact with us as through anchor you can give us a call and we can add your information and your call in to our podcast also subscribe to our podcast on apple and google play don't forget our flagship podcast which is debate fuel is recorded live on saturday mornings and you can view that through the Track Stars app as well as on Periscope. And then if you miss it that way, you can always listen in on SoundCloud. Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, with the Track Star Sports MMA main card. And I'm sounding off.